This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, Mike. How's it going? It's good. It's good. Well, today we're going to talk about another character. Um, we're quickly running out of characters. This is, uh, we this may is have the, to start. This is the last of the seven, right? I think so. Yeah. So, uh, I think maybe next character we'll have to, like, combine people. Like, we'll talk about Kyle and Hinnendorf, you know, kind of... Wow, that's going to be an interesting <laughs> conversation because I don't really know anything about either of those dudes. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, we'll have to combine, like, eight of them. Like, all the red shirts over here and all the blue and I, shirts over here. Well, we could do, like, Harry Mud. We could do some of the Klingons, you know? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, we'd have to do the Klingon ones with... Uh, with the orb yeah another standard orb it yeah yeah um that's a good idea we need to we need to talk to them about that Mm -hmm. but uh today we're going to cover the last of the main seven and probably the most underutilized even less utilized than Chekhov, maybe yes definitely uhura yes uhura poor nichelle nichols can you blame her for wanting to leave the show after the first year no I can't <laughs> because they gave her literally nothing to do. I mean, it, like, it, like there's that joke in, you know, Galaxy Quest where she's like, I've got one job is to answer the freaking phone. It's yeah. Like, that literally was all that Uhura did on that show. And uh, looking at like Cushman's book and talking about like the early drafts and stuff, Uhura usually had something to do. But then it was the first thing cut for time, or yeah. we really don't want to pay Nichelle this week, so let's, you know. Right. Ridiculous. But, you know, I guess that was the nature of things and, and the way that the world was back in 1966, too, you know. But when, uh, when Martin Luther King tells you to not quit your job, you listen. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he would be a pretty persuasive uh uh, voice in in that uh, situation. And if she had quit, then we might not have Whoopi Goldberg, who was inspired by Nichelle, t- seeing a black woman on television not being a servant or a slave or just there for comic relief. I mean, she's there, and they treat her equally with Chekhov and everybody. I mean, they, you know, yeah. Equally in that, you know, you will get abused this week and then you'll get abused the next week because you're not the main characters. Right. Yes. All of them are, are given not much to do. Right. So in that sense, I guess it is fair. I mean, they're not in the opening credits. Why would we why, why would we care? And that's really I mean, we've talked about that before, but, you know, it, it is kind of unfair to, let's say, criticize them for not giving service to characters in in that second tier, you know, because really, and, and basically it's just the three, because Scotty was kind of like mid-range, and then you had 
the three on the bottom, Sulu, Chekhov, and and uh, Uhura, which, you know, they were kind of there just to fill the seats, you know? And and they it was never supposed to be about them. It was supposed to be about the other three with some su- support from Scotty. And, you know, I think what we're doing lots of the times, or what people do lots of the time, is they sort of look at it from a modern television era perspective where you do have seven characters and they do all get their moments to shine and stuff like that. And that's just not how the how, you know, the show was, was set up and that's not how, you know, television shows were really set up back then. You know, it was always about a star and then everyone else was sort of supporting that. So mm-hmm. I don't really blame the original series for, for not giving these characters an ample amount of sc- screen time, but that being said, it's kind of too bad that they didn't, you know? Yeah, because the characters, as we've discussed, I mean, we've been able to pull episodes out of each of them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're worth, they were worth exploring. Especially Chekhov and Sulu. Uhura, I mean, they really did not do enough with her to even really consider it to be like a character in, in some cases, you know? Yeah, there's nothing more telling than the, uh, her, the, in, on Memory Alpha, her little paragraph. One of the first things is on Stardate 1672.1, before taking a brief onboard ship sabbatical, Uhura's voice was heard ship wide, reminding her fellow crew members to fill their accurate timesheets via the communications department. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a whole section. Yep. That's important. They need to get those timesheets right. Right? Right. And, uh, and it had to be an Uhura that set it over the intercom. Mm hmm. And that's the thing. That's and that's why she wanted to leave because that's the type of stuff that she was doing on that show. Yeah, you know, she was making a couple hundred bucks to, you know, maybe sit on the bridge and show off her legs, but usually just you know, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, she started. Uh, she wasn't in the series until Corbomite Maneuver, um, so you know, all out of order or whatever. But she actually, in the first couple episodes, uh, communications officers were gold, um, I guess, before they decided that communications should be services. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, she... It, it is interesting. If, if you pay attention, there are a few times where she takes over, like, the science department and uh, Helm. Like, if somebody gets knocked out, it's not like TNG where, oh, there's a guy who's just been waiting off camera for this moment. <laughs> Sometimes it's a hurrah. Yeah. Which is, is neat to see that this character did have the the knowledge to uh, run everything on the bridge. Yeah. I guess it, it kind of makes sense from a story standpoint if you wanted to look at it that way. And that it's like the, the crew compliment on the original series uh, ship was well, probably half that of, of Next Gen, right? Uh, so, yeah. So you'd need to have more versatility among your your uh, crew members because if something does go wrong, you need them to step in to uh, fill whatever spot needs to be filled. And the bridge is very small mm-hmm. comparing, like, the original series bridge to, like, the Next Generation bridge. So, yeah, you know, you can't have the people waiting just off camera. Right. There's no bathroom on the bridge in this one, so it's not like they can be like, "Oh, sorry, I was in the bathroom for a second there. Let me let me take over Helms for you." Right. 
<laughs> for the most part, Uhura is is in the background. There's a couple episodes where, like in Charlie X, um, she gets to sing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Nichelle gets to show off her singing voice, which is good until Charlie decides that uh, Rand is paying too much attention to Uhura and makes it so that she can't speak. <laughs> Which, thankfully, he undoes. So we've got a, a supernatural ability, and then it's undone. Unlike my and your big problem with the way they treat her in the original series, Nomad wipes her memory completely. Mm-hmm. And the only real uh, uh, you know, acknowledgement of that is Chapel teaching her how to read using, like, Spot Can Run. And then by the end of the episode, she's back on the bridge. Like, oh, we fixed her. Wait, is this the same Uhura after this point? I mean, did McCoy, like, this should have been the B-plot. But there was no B-plots back then. So it's like, the B-plot should be McCoy trying to save Uhura's memories and personality and everything. But all we get is, oh, well, Uhura's doing fine. Don't worry about her. She's learning to read again, and, you know, within a week we'll have her back up and running at full capacity. It's like, no, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah, I know, and that's that's a Star Trek thing. I mean, that's the worst, but, I mean, I, I also hate, like, Next Generation, I don't know if you've gotten to this point yet, Ethics, the one where uh, Worf breaks his spine. I don't remember. I've read so much about oh, yeah. it that I don't remember if I've seen it or not. And he, he so they grow him a new spine right okay which is cool and everything that's fine and then the last scene in the episode is him struggling to to walk and like alexander's with him and he's like we'll do this together you know and then next week it's like hey Worf, what's going on he's like oh not much just you know walking around the bridge like (laughs) like i didn't have my spine grown you know last week I mean that that's not nearly as bad as Uhura's entire memory being erased, but that type of thing, that lack of acknowledgement of like major events. I mean, that's got to be like the biggest event in in Uhura's life, right there. Yeah, you I lose mean, all of your memories. That's the biggest thing that's ever happened to you in your life. What's maybe she doesn't remember. What's so. What's terrible is that in the same episode. Nomad kills Scotty Mm -hmm. and then brings him back to life. So Nomad can undo things, but Kirk talks him to death before he can convince him to undo Uhura's brain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Kirk wasn't really thinking on that one. Yeah. Oh, well. (sighs) So, the poor girl. She just gets uh, abused through most of it. Uh, she does get to. She does get cool lines. I like in Bread and Circuses how she's the one that points out, "No, you dumbasses, we're not." It was a pun, you know. The yeah. sun, the sun, the son of God, and so she got to kind of do like a literal, like the moral of the story, kind of of the, of the episode, mm-hmm. which I like. The thing about her on the original series, you know, like we said, she didn't have much to do, but it really was her presence which was uh, important. You know, I mean, she she was iconic, you know, quite literally, you know, and, and the, the fact that you had a, a black woman on the bridge of this ship uh, in, you know, a 
I guess you could say it's a command position, you know, in the mm-hmm. next gen era would be considered a command position, right? It's like that, that's really important. And it was making a statement which was bigger than any statement they could possibly make by giving her some storyline, you know? It's like just, it's like, it's hard to, to see that today, you know, but looking at it in 1966, I can only imagine how big that was. You know, it was big enough for Martin Luther King to say, don't quit your job. You know, right. that's, that's pretty freaking big. And so, and, and that's, you know, sort of like if you look at the, the three um, lower tiered uh, of the seven, they're all that, you know, it's an Asian guy, a Russian guy, and then a black woman. And I got the, I get the impression that, you know, had the, the studio or the network let Roddenberry put any of those people in one of the, the, the big three roles, he would have, but, mm-hmm. but that just, there was no way that that was going to happen on network television in 1966. He probably I mean, had, had enough, enough problem, time with... They had enough problems with number one, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, who was a white woman. And it's like, well... that I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that, but yeah. I imagine it was a huge victory on Roddenberry's part just to get those three people into those roles. So, I mean, what that character did for I mean not to overstate it but society is hugely important you know mm-hmm. no like I said you know Whoopi Goldberg was inspired by it I'm sure that that dozens of people uh, you know just the the whole things you know I got into engineering because of Star Trek and that kind of thing I, I imagine that that Uhura just being there affected our planet at large yeah yeah. I mean, I don't want to overstate the importance of our show, Mike, but, you know, the original series changed the world. Yeah, it did in a lot of ways. But moving on, uh, Uhura, uh, like everybody in between uh, the TV show and the movie, movies, she uh, got promoted and got a new job. But, of course, uh, that's undone after the motion picture. No, she's still a communications officer in motion picture. Yeah. But but then she uh you know takes a teaching job. I don't know what she teaches though. What did she what do you think she taught? I kind of assumed that uh the original series crew when they all took their teaching jobs were basically teaching the things that they did on um the original series. So she was probably a communications teacher and Sulu was a helmsman teacher, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, I thought you were going to go for uh, w- literally what they did on the original series. Like, it's, okay, look, if you meet a robot <sighs> and that robot seems overly logical, you could probably out-logic it and it'll blow itself up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's Learn a- from our experiences. <laughs> That's that's one of the advanced level classes, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's that's the bonus class. That's when Ahura gets tired of talking about, you know, well, you pick up this little earpiece and you put it in your ear. 
Right. And then you open the hailing frequency by pushing this button, not that button, this button. Yeah, and then no. you turn around and you repeat whatever it said. I, I imagine it's similar. I mean, you know, this happens all the time when you're taking classes like that from professionals in the industry. You know, you, you find out, like, you know, I, I took a class, an editing class in college, and, and the, the woman who taught it was an assistant editor on things like The Sopranos and, you know, Titanic and everything like that. So she had all these great stories about, you know, working in the industry and working with people and, you know, she would tell us these things and it's like, what? You should hear her Stuart Baird stories. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. She so, thought she was an alien. <laughs> yes. So I imagine that it's the same with, you know, Uhura and Sulu and, and those people where they're like, oh man, there was this one time where my memory got wiped. And then <laughs> everyone in the class is like, What? that didn't happen you're crazy there's no, no, no way no. That everybody happened. told me that that happened it's, i don't remember <laughs> it's like now i can't believe anything that this woman tells me because obviously she's just lying you know because that doesn't make any sense <laughs> so she goes from communications officer and being lieutenant commander to being promoted to commander for star trek 2 and doing cadet training and then after star trek 2 it, she did she take this job as the trans like a transporter officer in the middle of nowhere specifically so they could steal the enterprise back because that seems really weird like you're a commander you've got teaching experience you've got all this experience i mean i guess mr adventure does you know say what are you doing out here in the middle of nowhere yeah yeah and but i don't know did, did she take that that job specifically for that Probably, right? I guess. I don't know. What's her cover story? Like, what did she tell her supervisors? She's like, my career's winding down, you know? <laughs> Why not? Well, I yeah. don't know. I guess Mr. Venture says exactly that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, poor girl. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she gets to she gets to threaten people with a phaser in that one. Yeah. That's pretty good. She's barely in that movie. Like, they don't let her come along on the the trip which is weird what oh yeah they, they leave her behind and they're like we'll meet you on vulcan at the end of the movie and she's like okay i forgot that she she wasn't even part of the big six there were only five of them going after yeah spock yeah what it's crazy that's what? that's that's I even into the movies weird. Like they just were just like screw Uhura, we're not we're not going to even deal with her in this movie, you know. We'll give her one scene where she can be like a total badass, and then we'll have her show up again at the end. Well, this is kind of like it's not necessarily the wharf in the Next Generation movies problem. No, but it it reminds me of that in that. Well, you know, her has to be there because you know she's part of the crew. What are you going to do with her? I don't. I don't know. I mean, she can stand over here and do this thing. I mean, they're extremely short-staffed. You know, you'd, you'd figure they could find something for her to do. It's a skeleton crew. Right. <laughs> Anything. You know? she. We just know. We, we've already established she can fly the ship. I mean, they, they even have, like, the whole thing where they're like, check off. Uh, why don't you do science? Because. Because. And it's like, well, how about have her do science? Wouldn't that be good? 
Yeah. She's done it before. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then, well, it could be worse. It could be Star Trek V. <sighs> yeah, it could be Star Trek V, couldn't it? Where she fan dances. Yes, she does fan dance, which is fine. You know, it, it it's odd. It's a very strange choice for that movie, isn't it? Whatever. And it's one of those things where it's like, wait, am I missing something here? <laughs> no. Okay. So where did she just, get the fans? The, yeah. This. I've never thought about this. Yeah. <laughs> All of that. Although, regardless of any of that, you know what it did do was lead to um, uh, the moon's window to heaven appearing on the soundtrack for Star Trek V. So, so is that's that good? there. Is that a good? Although thing? I don't think that she sings it on the soundtrack version. I don't think she sings it in the movie either. Which is weird because I mean that's her whole thing, right? She's a singer. Right. So. I read I read in the trivia that originally she was uh, supposed to be a really good mimic. Really? And that's how she was going to entertain the crew, by doing impressions. <laughs> but that's when they were just like, oh, Nichelle can sing. Why don't we just have her sing? I'm like, really? Your first thought was impressions? <laughs> but, you know, I'd love to see that. Right? I'd love to see Nichelle Nichols doing a Shatner impression, yes. That would be awesome. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Uh Oh. Well, what can you do? Yeah. I do love that song, though, as it appears on the album. It's great. Okay. I'll, have to, I'll have to check it out. But then in, in Star Trek Six, she does... Uh, she. Oh, yeah, in Star Trek Six, I was going to say she does nothing, but she does less than nothing because she has to pull out physical books in order to speak terrible Klingon. Yeah. We yeah. am thy freighter Ursa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's it's really weird. I mean, I guess it was supposed to be, you know, I mean, part of it, I think, was uh, Nicholas Meyer's obsession with books and his, his desire to include a physical book in in there, which I was, I was wondering about that recently. Like, I saw some interview with him, and he's like, this book, and he held up, like, a book, and I'm like, that's strange that he doesn't have it on, on like, a Kindle or something. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, no, wait. It's Nicholas Meyer, I guess. So. Why, why? He's, he's How probably not a big fan of the Kindle. He's, but <laughs> He's just keeping up appearances. He's like, well, damn it, if I made this movie that takes place 300 years in the future and they don't use Kindles, I sure as hell am not going to use one. Right, exactly. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that and the fact that it's supposed to be a little bit of comic relief, you know. Yeah, it I, is funny. I'm it's okay with that funny. scene, you know. I don't know. It's Whatever. just embarrassing for the, the character. I guess uh, so. I guess so. Yeah. Well, that actually would lead us into uh, the J.J. verse Uhura, who can speak Klingon uh, on a moment's notice without any books. Yes. And even in the deleted scenes for Into Darkness, like she jokes around with the Klingons a bit. She's like, I'm looking for my ex-boyfriend. You know, he stole stuff from me. <laughs> <laughs> and the Klingons are like, "What, really?" <laughs> but yes, in 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 the new JJ movies, uh, she she does she does play more of a role. I, I feel that that uh, this modern retelling does take the the 
the big three and make it more either uh, a modified big three because because McCoy kind of sits out most of the time, but uh, it does give the seven stuff to do. Yeah, like everybody's got their thing. Sulu sword fights, Ohura, you know. Sure, it's still like communications based, but uh, you know her relationship with Spock uh, does play into the plot, and it's not just. You know, well, you know, somebody should have a love interest and wouldn't it be great if it wasn't Kirk? <laughs> well, you know, in the original series, she had a crush on Spock. And, and maybe and if Spock was a little more open, he would have been open to the relationship. And this one shows that he would have. Yeah, the whole, like, she had a crush on Spock in the original series, like, that was in, like, one episode in, like, it's the true. first episode, right? And then she realized, yes, it was. But then she realized that he was cold and mean, and so... I she guess didn't that's want what a part it was. of it. Yeah, she got over it quickly. Yeah, I, you know, her. It's. I mean, it's weird to say like, well, she's. It's her, the big three are her, uh, Spock and and Kirk because in a way that's true, but it's not the same dynamic, you know. No. Whereas like the original series, you know, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy created like this this trinity, you know, that doesn't happen in the new movies, but. In terms of uh, just like looking at it as a movie and saying like, well, who are the three main characters or whatever? Then yes, it is Kirk, Spock, and Uhura, and I'm perfectly okay with that. I know there's a lot of people who are like, man, what you know, McCoy getting thrown off to the side so that they can have Uhura. You know, that's kind of bogus, and I can kind of see where they're coming from in a sense, especially when you're talking about losing that dynamic with with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. However, I do like what they're doing with Uhura as a character. I think it's, it's she's really cool. She's one of my favorite characters now. And also, going back to kind of what we were talking about before, if back in 1966 someone was like, hey, Gene Roddenberry, uh, if you want... Instead of having, you know, the uh, the Southern Doctor as your third uh, lead, you could have, uh, you know, the the Black Woman as your your third lead. Do you want to do that? I guarantee you, Roddenberry would be like, "Hell yes! What mm-hmm. what kind of you know alternate reality are we living in?" <laughs> the JJ verse, I guess. The JJ right? verse, apparently. <laughs> but it's like basically Roddenberry's vision of the future is here i mean obviously we have a very 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 long way to go but the idea that now you know less than 50 years later it's like not only not only is it uh okay to have a black woman as one of your three leads but it was probably studio mandated right (laughs) <laughs> for you know in in terms of like marketing and stuff like that it's like that's a good thing it's not something that you have to worry about losing viewers over it's something which is going to bring viewers in mm-hmm. i mean that's amazing you know so yeah i'm totally okay with uhura being one of the three leads and i'm i would bet that roddenberry would love that yeah i could see that I'm not saying that they shouldn't give McCoy more stuff to do. I think oh, they, no, could, they no. could beef up his role quite a bit. But I, I absolutely love what they've done with Uhura in these new movies. It's great. 
All right, I just hit upon something. This this may be radical, but okay. So we've got Kirk, the main character, TOS, and we've got Spock and McCoy, like representing, balancing him out mm-hmm. between you know the logic and the passion and stuff, so that he can be a good captain. I wonder if the two thousand nine movies turn that on its head. Maybe Spock is the main character with like Kirk and Uhura balancing him out. Yeah, I've thought about that, but I don't really see Kirk and Uhura as balancing him out. I mean they're, they're both not on the same side, you know? Right. So it doesn't quite work that way. But, you know, surrounding Spock with characters instead of surrounding Kirk with characters, I think makes sense in a certain way. I, I'm still not convinced that Spock is the main character. I think they do uh, give him a lot more to do, and, and it's it's almost more like Kirk and Spock are uh, equals, in a sense, in terms of uh, their character's importance, uh, or at least more so than the original series. But mm. like, if you were to say, like, if you need to pick one character who is like the main protagonist, I would still say it's Kirk. Just a thought. Yeah, Just a no, thought. yeah, I, I had thought the same thing. But I, I think there is something to that. It's not the same dynamic, but yeah, definitely. Well, it was fun talking about Ahura today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Because we're basically pitching a, a story arc. Right. Like like we're Babylon 5, and we've got this five-year arc. Yeah. But we're going to have a three-year plus maybe the cartoons plus the movies arc. Earl Grey. Billy has 25 self-stealing <laughs> symbols that he needs to trade with a non-Federation species using a different currency. What does Billy do? The orb. They've already been kind of to that next step. I mean, he massages her all the time and well, he knows helps her that, out of the tub again. He knows that so, she has rashes on her thighs. Yeah, so. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so... To the journey! You know, talk about a, a heavy-handed message. Like, literally, on your back. Like, literally, on your back. Like, I want you to feel the weight. You know, like, this <laughs> Like this is the kind of non-subtlety that makes it fun. Warp 5. The fact of the matter is, Bakula is playing this character just as he should. It's true that Archer seems a bit uneasy, lacking in confidence. But he's the first human captain to see these strange new worlds. The ready room. I haven't gotten to the point in my research where I'm I'm that caught up. I mean, I, I'm very much stuck right in season one of Next Gen and kind of have That's blinders kind of on everything else right now. Yeah, boy, tell me about it. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. And we have kind of reached a milestone here, a little earlier than you might think we would have reached that milestone. This is the final episode of Star Trek. Uh, for which we have a writing credit given to Gene Roddenberry. Commentary, Trek stars. And he wanted it, the first part to be called Becoming Houdini and the second part to be called Being Houdini. It should have been called Houdini Begins. Yes. And Houdini Rises. Yes. Melodic Treks. At only 22 years of age, he conducted the Munich Symphony Orchestra using 110 pieces a 60-piece choir and a 30-piece children's choir. Sometimes you need the children to get them high notes. 
And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zoom, or you can stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. We have a lot of mail to read. Figured we'd take some time to do that. Yeah. We got a letter from Brad uh, a couple weeks ago that said, uh, in regards to our... Uh, what did we call it? Parallel Earths. He brought up the point that uh, another interesting thing about the episode Patterns of Force that has always made me curious, both Shatner and Nimoy are Jewish. How did they feel in that particular episode? Yeah, that is weird. That is it's a really good question. I wonder if there were any conversations about that. I mean, there had to be, right? Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I'd be curious to, to see what their thoughts were on that. Yeah, but we we don't have any inside information on that. I wish we did, because yeah. I wonder if you just run up to Shatner and ask him about that. How'd you feel about playing a Nazi? What? Wait, what? <laughs> uh, Brad wrote in again the next week, and he said uh, about our top five, that was a great insight into your top five for season two, and I thought I would share mine. Well, mine pretty much follows yours. I have one that is a one-off that I really enjoy. I think your perspective and interests come into play, for instance. Mike said that he loved gangster movies, and hence his pick of a piece of the action. My secret passion is starship combat, as you can see color my choices. His number five is the ultimate computer. Starship war games. Computers freaking out. Scientists freaking out. My only issue is that the, once the Enterprise dropped her shields and powered down, the other ships would have blown her to dust bunnies. The only possible reason they, would ha they wouldn't have is that maybe they would have seen her starting to power back up and blasted her then. Number four, Amok Time, for all the reasons stated on the show. Number three, Mirror Mirror. I liked most of Deep Space Nine's treatment of the Mirror Universe. The Mirror Universe episode of Enterprise is the only one that I've seen more than once and or recorded. And I especially like the Star Trek Continues treatment of it. If you haven't seen the Ferris of them all, you need to. I have. Did you watch it yet? No, I haven't. It is super good. Is it? Yeah, I need to. I need to watch that. It's just it's a direct sequel to uh, to Mirror Mirror. Cool. After Kirk and them beam away and beam the original crew back, mm -hmm. it's the next couple days. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, number two, his number two is Trouble with Tribbles again for all the reasons stated on the episode, and his number one is Doomsday Machine. Like the, I like the darkness of the episode as well as the combat. I think that this is probably the best done of the remastered episodes. So there you have it. What thinks you? That's a pretty solid list. You know, a lot of things on there that we agree with. And uh, the ones that uh, we didn't put on there, it's it's hard to argue with. I mean, they're they're classics as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing nothing too off the wall. I, I, I like all those episodes, too. Uh, thanks for writing in. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And we have another, uh, Mark Rodriguez. He wrote us from New York, New York. And he talks about When in Doubt, Throw It Out, our uh, Standard Orbit Canon episode. Yeah, a lot of people talking about yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, he says, I must disagree with many of your choices to erase from Trek con continuity. Enemy Within? It's an examination of what makes up a human personality. Yes, the shuttlecraft gaffe is unforgivable, but you can't erase this episode. Charlie X examines puberty and grows a Kirk-Spock relationship. Keep I Mud just because you like it rather than it adds to the series? I think you guys need to rethink your parameters. 
I think you should look at which episodes accomplish what Roddenberry aimed to do. Look at the human experience, examine slash expose us and our culture using a sci-fi camouflage. Episodes that grow the triangle relationship of Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Pathos, Logos, and Ethos are also important. Just my two cents. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it depends on how you want to approach it. And um, I think we were looking at it sort of like, you know, once you you look at the whole series, you know, what is it that, that you know, you can find one place that maybe um, you can sacrifice in this place, you know, because it is elsewhere. And, you know, it's not that, like, one episode is super great or 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 super terrible it's like covering all the bases that need to be covered and you know i mean like i mud that, that was the one right I right cannot, yeah okay so i no or is it mud's women mud's women we kept so that we could lead into i mud right okay and it's like if if that's you know th- there are certain episodes which are in a sense untouchable in which you kind of need to uh um work the rest of this thing around, you know, you've got to have Mud's women so that you can have I Mud. And if it's important to, you know, Drew to have I Mud, then, you know, if if that's what what makes Star Trek worth watching is watching I Mud, then that's you know an important thing. Whereas Charlie X, I mean, while yes, it is, it does deal with you know issues concerning puberty and stuff like that, but is it integral to the show? No. Is it one of those episodes where it's like, oh man, you know, if this episode were gone, I'd be really upset. No. Enemy Within is almost like that for me. Like, I, I, I agree with what he's saying on that, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I, I could almost be convinced to stick that one back in because it is such a good episode. But like Charlie X, I don't need Charlie X. I don't need to ever see Charlie X again. <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever. And and it's like, yeah, does it grow the, the, the characters or whatever? I mean, are there relationships? Yeah, sure. If it never existed, would you think that you were missing something? No, I don't think so. It's it's no. weird. It's, it's an interesting balancing act. And everyone's list would be different because for some people, Charlie's, Charlie X is untouchable. You know, Charlie X is some people's iMud, but it's not our iMud. iMud's not my iMud. I would totally no. cut out iMud. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's Drew's iMud. So that's the way it works, I guess. Though, yeah. you know, I mean, I think we'll probably read some more here. Like Enemy Within. Like, you know, you've almost convinced me to stick Enemy Within back in. Enemy Within, not Enemy Without, right? No, it's terrible. I apologize. No. Um, but <laughs> get off my show. <laughs> but uh, you know, um, I think, and, and and I would encourage other people to write in with their yes. opinions, and because our our minds can be changed. And I think that that you know, once we hear other people's arguments, we we can make revisions to this list and come up with yeah. the best list. I kind of feel guilty. For, for wanting to keep iMud in after after some of this feedback. Like, well, the thing is that we, this is, and, and I tried to title it well and describe it in the in the episode description. It's the standard orbit canon. It's not, yeah. we're not saying that this is, you know, 
uh, and we're not saying the episodes we're throwing out are bad. I mean, we even, we joked about, you know, maybe kicking City on the Edge of Forever out. But in reality, it could, you know, it could probably go. It's, it's, it's our opinion. Of, of of what we think, but we we are interested in what you guys think. You know, maybe we'll have a standard orbits listener canon. Yeah, uh, but you know, I I don't think that you should feel guilty about keeping iMud in because you know at some point you get to a place where it's like, well, really none of them work in reality, you know, and and so let's just cut them <laughs> all out. And it's like, well, the whole point is that you are a Star Trek fan. And that there's something here worth watching. And if you're cutting out the things which are worth watching in order to make it completely work, then what you're going to end up with is something that's not worth watching. So you got to keep in your favorite episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for writing in. That was that was fun. Um, feel free anytime. There's a lot of ways to contact us. You can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can use the tab on the left-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using a webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners at our new Facebook group, the Babel Conference, Trek FM's listener group, which is growing and expanding and and, uh, always seems to be interesting conversations going on. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trekfm. And on Twitter, you can find us under username trekfm. Mike, where can people find you if they want to contact you directly? Uh, you can find me right here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek Stars, and you can find me on my website, commentarytrackstars.com, where I do commentary Trek Stars off topic, and you can also find me on Twitter at mumbles3k. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D O U B L E O F I V E, and you can find me on various other places around the internet. Yeah, hey, I hear that uh, To The Journey got a voicemail. Really? Yeah. That is not fair. Come on, listeners. Uh, Step it up. I want want two voicemails for Standard Orbit next week. Come on, guys. Yeah. We'll We'll play them on the air. Now's your chance. You can tell us why we're wrong about our canon or anything else. Let's do this. <laughs> or on. why we're right. Or, or why we're right. I, mean, I guess you could say that too. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to support our sponsor who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I've got uh, a random Star Trek book. Star Trek The Return, written and narrated by William Shatner. Uh, The description, Legends Never Die. Old friends are reunited and ancient secrets revealed as Kirk, Spock, Picard, Riker, Data, and all of the Federation's best and brightest are enmeshed in a cosmic saga that will test their strengths and loyalties to the very limit. A personal tale of tragedy and triumph that could only have been written and read by William Shatner. I think, have you read this book? I think we have because I remember reading that and saying I think that the Reeves Stevenses could have written it as well. No, no, no. I mean, have you read this book? Oh, no, I haven't. I I, I have. Yeah. I know that I have. 
And the only thing that really... It's like they resurrect Kirk with... Uh, the Romulans resurrect Kirk with Borg nanites or something mm-hmm. that Shatner could not have come up with on his own. Uh, what are you talking but, about? He's a big fan of Borgs. Yeah, sure. He knows exactly what Borgs are. <laughs> um, but but the one the other thing that really sticks out in my head uh, that I, I I'm pretty sure happens in this book is they recapture Kirk and you know try to remove all the nanites, and in order to make Kirk feel more at home. With the holographic doctor, who's it's the holographic doctor, I think, who is is uh, performing surgery on him. Of course, it is. And uh, you know, the, the hollow doc has got a bunch of people's different personalities combined and stuff. Uh, but they like turn off everything but the McCoy personality. <sighs> okay. And and so it's like young McCoy, you know, in the future, holographic doing the surgery hmm. for no reason other than to have McCoy in the book. Well, that's cool. I, I seem to remember that. Yeah, you can you can leave us a voicemail and tell me that I'm wrong in remembering what happens in Star Trek: The Return. Or, or you could go to Audible, get the book for free, listen to it, and then email us and tell us exactly what's that's going on. That's an even better book. idea. Yeah, yeah. Because as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30 day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. And lastly, there's another way you can keep us in orbit, and that's by supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as an associate producer for our shows. You'll find out where the donations can go, like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, upgrading our equipment, a bunch of stuff. So uh, if you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find all that, find more information, even find more links to the shows. So check it out. Well, that's that's it for the main characters. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to our episode on... I can't think of anybody obscure enough. Yeah, maybe we should skip characters and focus on, like, uh, I don't know, tribbles or behind-the-scenes people. We could do a, a tribble uh, every week for the rest of time. There we go. Yeah. This Tribble, this brown Tribble right here in this shot. His name is Joe. <laughs> oh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Lake. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. Hi, sir.